Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number three, 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 triple three. I am Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is the Reverend Brandon Lee Galton, BLG of BlueNingGreenNation.com. Uh, training camp practice number five is in the books. Uh, no pads, but spirited practice. I thought it was a lot, to, a lot of observations to make today. So we're fun podcast episode, I think. But before we get to all that goodness, I need to know where I can find the finest meat snacks in the land. Well, you can find them at the Novacare Complex, Jimmy, uh, back where the Eagles are training by their weight room and whatnot, right, kind of like going into their locker room, which is an area that we don't really have access to at this time of the year, but during the season we will. And obviously, you're not going to take them from there. You don't need to do that because that's theirs. You can get yours, uh, both you and the Royal You, at RighteousSullen.com and use discount code BGN20 for 20% off your order it's a limited time only, BGN20, for 20% off. That's going to go back down to 15 at some point in the future. So make sure you take advantage of the special discount and go to RighteousSelling.com and use discount code BGN20 for 20% off your order. Jimmy, we're more than a week into training camp beginning in that it began on Wednesday last week. We're not like a full week into it in terms of practice amounts. You noticed, You noted it was the fifth practice. But we have enough of a body of work here, I think, you know, to kind of make some bigger picture takeaways. That's not exactly fully what we're doing. We're going to get into our notes from today. But I'm sure as we go along today and moving forward, we'll certainly note some of those things, too. Some kind of more bigger themes in camp that we've realized. Uh, where do you want to start today? Well, I think we should start with uh, some positional, not changes, but uh, more being put on the plate of a pair of rookies. So I'll start with Tyler Steen, who uh, played left tackle today. He moved out to left tackle from right guard. Uh, the left tackle had previously been, this is on the second team offensive line, had previously been Dennis Kelly. He kicked inside to left guard, which makes sense because he's played tackle and guard in his career. So they want to get him reps at both, you know, if he's going to be a versatile backup. And then at left guard, they had uh, Sua Opeta move over from left guard to Steen's spot at right guard. Now, what that tells me if I'm putting on, I don't want to call it a tinfoil hat because this isn't so crazy, but uh, that tells me that they, they pretty much think that Cam Jurgens is going to be their starter at right guard. This is the mm. leap that I'm taking anyway. Cam Jurgens is going to be the starter at right guard, so they may as well start getting Steen uh, reps at tackle in addition to guard so that he can... You know, be prepared to be a versatile backup if and when he is needed during the regular season. Is that kind of how you see it too, or uh, 
or am I making too much of uh, Steen playing at left tackle today? Well, when we did our over-unders, uh, Jurgens was kind of a big one in there in terms of both. I think we did like, you know, week one starting or whatever, or, or I think the maybe it was just the one. We did the over-under like three and a half starts, I think, at right guard. I think there were two Steen slash Jurgens yeah. questions in there, and I went Steen on both of them. I'm not, I'm not looking right. so good on those right now. Yeah, <laughs> I had Jurgens starting the season, but I kind of still wonder how long he will be into the season, especially because I have the you know, Isaac Sumalo experience seared into my brain. I'm not saying it'll be the same way for sure, but they had a quick hook on him once upon a time. And I wonder if that could happen with Steen at some point. So, or sorry, with Jurgens at one point, by the way, speaking of misspeaking, apparently I said the Eagles won the Super Bowl in the last podcast. Uh, that did not happen to fact check hmm, myself. Sorry. I didn't catch that. Yeah. yeah sorry. Uh, Dan Klausner pointed that out. Shout out to Dan. Okay. Tough, tough mistake for me. I guess um, a little bit of a Freudian slip wishful thinking there. But um, yeah, I think, you know, Jurgens clearly has established himself here early in camp in terms of I mean, he's the sole guy there at right guard. Um, Nick Sirianni hasn't wanted to commit to him publicly, but we've talked about that doesn't necessarily mean a whole ton. And uh, we, I talked about my theory that, well, it's possible that, you know, this is something where you're bringing Steen along because a lot of the rookies aren't just in first team positions. So that's been something to kind of watch here. But as we're getting deeper into camp and it's Jurgens every day, you know, it's hard not to say that he's going to be the week one starter where it goes from there. I still think kind of we'll see if he, he'll remain in that spot if he plays well and isn't a liability. But if he is, I think he will have a quicker hook than some other guys would. Okay. Uh, the other positional, not change, but again, Maybe a little bit more on his plate. It's Nolan Smith mm. got reps at off-ball linebacker today, which uh, we should note. Nicobe Dean uh, got hurt and went into the into the not the blue medical tent, but the white medical tent mm. during training camp. Uh, Jeff McLean tweeted that. Uh, somebody told him, I know who it was, but I won't say <laughs> that he's fine. Uh, I trust the person who told Jeff McLean uh, to have accurate information on that. So Nicobe Dean's fine. But um, thereafter, Nolan Smith got some reps at off-ball linebacker. And that's something that we sort of speculated on Mm -hmm. with him after he was drafted because he's an undersized edge. Uh, He actually – like his size actually makes a lot of sense for an off-ball linebacker position. He did some of that kind of stuff at Georgia – and he certainly has the athleticism to play off-ball linebacker. I don't think like he couldn't do it. But I think you and I were kind of in lockstep on the idea that being an edge rusher, being an impact edge rusher, is far, far more important than being a really good off-ball linebacker. So we wondered about the um, the benefit of you know putting a little, putting some off-ball linebacker on his plate. Uh, what's the benefit of that versus the risk of him not developing uh, to the maximum degree that he potentially could if he just stayed on the edge? Uh, but interesting, I mean, very small number of snaps that he got at off-ball linebacker. It's not like he played there all day, like he played on the edge today too. But uh, interesting that they did have him out there at off-ball linebacker. And I think maybe the litmus test is if he continues to play there when Dean is back or if they just kind of needed him to play there uh, to get through the practice. So, like, I think if we see in subsequent practices, Dean's not out there, or excuse me, if Dean is out there and Nolan Smith is also still getting off-ball linebacker reps, then there's maybe more to make of it. But certainly worth noting uh, that he was out there playing off-ball linebacker. 
yeah, my first note today was going to be the injury stuff because I think that's always important to get to. Kobe Dean was not on the injury report, so he was full go, like heading into practice. Seemed like something may have happened in individuals because then he didn't participate at all in the team drills. It was Christian Ellis and Nicholas Morrow up there when the Eagles started their first 11 on 11 period. I don't think that's really ideal for Nicobe Dean, even if he's like fine and doesn't have to miss much time. Like any kind of practice time missed for a guy who I think hasn't really been standing out in camp and also is taking on this bigger role as a signal caller in the defense. Like any missed time is not great, especially so for him. But if he's back at practice on Friday or maybe then on Sunday night, if he misses Friday, like, yeah, it's not the biggest deal in the world, but something to continue to monitor. Uh, we've also seen people downplay injuries before and then be more serious than expected. So again, we'll just, we'll see, we'll keep an eye on that moving forward. I don't think it is that serious. Nicobe was watching practice from the sideline as opposed to having to go back into the building, which is typically not a good sign and not appearing again for the rest of practice. In that same vein, uh, James Bradbury had to come out at one point. He returned to the sideline, so he seems to be okay-ish as well. I was interesting who replaced him though it was Josh Job out there on the outside I think mm-hmm. that's like a little peek into the depth chart and because it could have been conceivably I think Greedy Williams but it wasn't um, you know so that's certainly worth noting as well and the last depth chart thing not necessarily related to injury but I wanted to see if you saw this I noticed Josh Tolentino had mentioned that Sidney Brown he saw Sidney Brown at the first team did you see that I did not see that I can see where Josh might have gotten confused by that because he was out there with Reed Blankenship, who has mm-hmm. exclusively gotten first team reps, but I believe that was the twos that okay. were out there. I'm he, not trying to Reed roast Josh here, to be clear. No, I, just, no, 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 I didn't not. see yeah, anyone yeah. else say that, and I saw him say it, and I was like, did I miss something here? No, so I made I almost made that mistake too. So like I, I was like, oh, Sidney Brown's getting first team reps. I actually said that, like during yeah. the practice. And then I looked closer, and I was like, oh, no, no, no. It's, it's, he's out there with Reed, but gotcha. the other guys out there are more, are like they're mostly twos. So it's like a mixed <laughs> so, like, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, it was a little bit of a mixed nuts uh, group out there. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, th- I think I don't think he was necessarily with the first team offense. And if it was, it was late in practice too. It wasn't like from the jump where like usually those kind of changes would be a little bit more apparent. But Josh uh, is, uh, in my opinion, like one of the best in practice tweeters. Yeah, I mean, he does. Do you a agree good with job. that? Yeah, he, he gets a lot the, of detail I, in there. The the Miami joint practices in particular last year i think he was like he had some okay. heaters in there <laughs> nice if i recall correctly well that was his uh that was his home he used to cover the dolphins right he used to be yeah. miami base so you know some uh maybe he, he knew some, where to stand yeah, or something like that exactly he had the advantage yeah. over us especially <laughs> uh yeah that's all i had some just some depth chart injury notes at the top uh so i really liked what i saw from deandre swift today okay. i'd done a film review of deandre swift's 2022 season uh, earlier this off season, and I cut up all of his rushing attempts and I cut up all of his targets last year. That took mm-hmm. freaking forever, <laughs> but uh, they're all there. And oh, uh, I watched so hard. I, I really do work my, I, I'm such a diligent, great worker for my, for my mm-hmm. company. They're very lucky to have me. And uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, there's 14 minutes of him, of his rushing attempts. And I kind of had like a preconceived notion of what he was as a runner, without, you know, having really watched him that much. And because he's so shifty and elusive, my expectation was that he was going to be a guy that like unnecessarily bounced runs to the outside instead of just getting what's blocked up for him and you know, <laughs> holes that are there or whatever. <laughs> 
But when I when I went through that exercise, he was not that. Like he, if there's a hole, he hits it and he hits it hard and he gets through the hole and, and into the open field. And that's what I saw out of him today. Like there was there was one play. It was an inside run, small hole. There wasn't a big gap for him to run through. But man, he hit it and he got into the open field and it wound up being a pretty big run. And um, yeah, I've been encouraged by what I've seen from him so far, mostly so far as a receiver. Mm. But that one rep, and again, they weren't in pads today. It was just shells and shorts. But still, that rep today really showed, in my opinion, his explosiveness and his vision. Like if he sees a hole, uh, he hits it and he hits it hard and he has the explosiveness to do it. Um, so yeah, I think he's, he, in the combination of him and Rashad Penny and Kenny Gainwell, I think it's a really interesting group that they have a running back. That's probably the best run of training camp this far, right? Oh, so you know what I'm talking about that run. Were you, were you, uh, yeah, end zone view from, or were you sideline? No, view I had the sideline view. You, you had a better view on that. Cause to me, it kind of just looked like, you know, looking at it from the side, it looked like there just like was a big hole that opened up. It was not a big hole, a small yeah. hole, but he, so he squirted right through there. You got it. You had the better angle from that perspective. But yeah, when you say that's like the best run of camp thus far, I feel like they're having I think little, so, yeah. a ton of great ones. Not like you're, you know, really going through and picking. it's hard to tell too, like because they've only had one padded practice. So like you can't tell if they're, you know, you can't tell if they're going to run through an arm tackle yeah. or like if they got touched or if they would have been tackled or not mm-hmm. tackled. So it's hard. It's a hard thing to evaluate. Like, Better to evaluate that in like when they used to tackle in practice, which they're certainly not going to do sure. anymore. And then, um, you know, in the preseason games, you get a better you get a better uh, sort of experience on that. But, yeah, I would agree that like just from what we have to work with, mm-hmm. that that was probably the most impressive run of camp so far. I'm going to go with uh, Jalen Carter for my next observation. OK, uh, you know, so a little context here. Uh, I was on the sideline of the seven on seven field and couldn't get around to the one on ones. I felt like in time without missing action from both. So I kind of just didn't go over to the first session of one on ones, offensive line, defensive line. Cause mm-hmm. I figured I'd be missing too much action and I still could see some of it from where I was, but I'm one person. I can't see both fields at the same time. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I put some of outsourced notes in my notes from Martin Frank and EJ Smith. I thought there were some good notes in there from them. Um, Martin Frank had mentioned that Jalen Carter took some reps against Lane Johnson and Jordan Mailata. Didn't do much against them. And it's also to be expected. Those are pretty good. Other tackles, too, going up against the guard. I mean, they should and established ones at that. I really like Lane Johnson doesn't get beat by anybody in the league. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But I did like what I saw out of Jalen Carter going up against a guy who's had a bad camp. And we've highlighted that here uh, in large part because of his snapping issues. But, man, Jalen Carter... Very one on ones you're talking about here, yeah. One on one bull rush against Brett Toth. Brett Toth was holding on for his life, and he was like, <laughs> yeah. he was holding on for dear life, and he was still being driven back. Jason Kelsey, I believe, on the New Heights show, his own podcast, but maybe with Chris Long too. One, I can't remember which podcast on some podcast appearance talked about one thing he noticed from Jalen Carter and OTAs, um, is just how strong his hands were. He said it's like he, Jason Kelsey very like vividly remembers certain guys in the NFL for just how strong their hands were. I think he mentioned mm-hmm. someone like Clay Matthews. He may have mentioned Fletcher Cox in there as well. But like he said, Jalen Carter is like super strong. And I thought that showed up here. I mean, Jalen Carter showed like serious strength. I know Brett Toth is a second string guy, but he's a guy who's like been in the NFL a little bit and has an NFL level kind of body. And for him to just push Brett Toth back like that was like, that was pretty, I thought that was pretty impressive. He wrecked him. There's no question about it. I actually been kind of unimpressed with Jalen Carter in one-on-one specifically so mm-hmm. far. 
But that rep was impressive for sure. I may as well just go through the other highlights yeah. that I have here in one-on-ones. Hassan Reddick had his first one-on-one rep of camp, and he got a strip sack. <laughs> like He blew right around the edge uh, on Jack Driscoll. No problem. Got the strip sack. Uh, mentioned Steen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he had uh, uh, a bad rep. Who was that against? Uh, oh, Nolan Smith. So mm-hmm. he had a bad rep against Nolan Smith initially. Nolan Smith got right around him. Stone Derek Barnett, though. I should note in 11 on 11s, Steen was wrecking Nolan Smith. There was a wow. run play playing left tackle. There was a run play. Steen like owned him, like, mm-hmm. pushed him like way out from the hash marks to the numbers. Nolan Smith got really chippy about it, did not like getting driven <laughs> of uh, back like that. And he like when he was. You know, sort of trying to shed the block. It was really violent about it. And I like seeing all that. It's great. Yeah. And then on the next, I don't know if it was the next play, but on that same series, Nolan Smith was like, he was going to beat him to the inside. But Steen, I thought, did a good job of recovering and put Nolan Smith on the ground, pancaked wow. him. So I thought, you know, I haven't seen much from Steen so far on the field, but I, those two plays were impressive. Um, and Tyron playing a Johnson. tackle, a position he most recently played in college, so maybe there's more familiarity. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. He's more from. Yeah, he's definitely more. Com- I think he definitely looks more comfortable yeah. there so far. Uh, Kyron Johnson has looked good. Uh, however, he's been feasting on probably the. I mean, I don't want to pick on the guy, but if you were to name the worst player in camp, who would you say? We I asked you this question earlier, and I, I think I covered this on the last pod a little bit because I mentioned, um, I think I mentioned Kyron Johnson going against him, Jim Okorafor, or or, or, yeah. or, or how, how do you say this? Okorafor. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he came from like a level below D3, right? Isn't that what that is at, at the NAIA level? Like, that's not even NCAA level. I'm not sure. I, I'm, it's a pretty low level. Benedict, well, Benedict think of the name of the college. Have you heard of Benedictine College? It's a very, it's not, not a. With all due respect, it's not Alabama. It's not a juggernaut. But anyway, uh, Kyron Johnson, who's a very small guy, had a speed to power rush, put Okafor on his butt. Yeah. And then one more, um, Janarius Robinson, who I think has flashed a little bit at times. Okay. You just, you just, maybe not, maybe flash is the wrong way to put it, but you just notice him because he's super long and lanky. He's Mm kind of like hard to miss. He's had a couple batted passes. Like he looks athletic and there's a reason that they kept him on the 53 man roster the entire season last year. He had a really nice inside spin move again. Like, you know, it's Roderick Johnson who he did it against, but you can still see that the guy like has played in the NFL. Like he has like NFL snaps under his belt. Sure. But you can see that like Janarius Robinson has very clear athletic ability. Sure. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know that, um, he's a bubble player, so we'll see if he's able to make the team or not, Mm -hmm. but I've seen more out of him so far than I've seen out of Derek Barnett, for example. Well, why don't I just lead you into my next point here? It's the nice, smooth transition. Derek Barnett was not in the second set, at least. I don't know if he was in the first set, but he was not in the second set of one-on-ones. He was mm-hmm. in on seven-on-seven. Seven. He was lining up over like a slot receiver and dropping back into coverage. They were having him do some off-ball linebacker today. Mm-hmm. So okay. that's unexpected. Um, yeah. I don't really know fully what to make of that. Again, maybe it came down to partly their light there at that position and the Kobe Dean's not there. They wanted to, I don't know. I don't know what that is, but 
I saw it happen. Well, during OTAs, they had like Nolan Smith kind of rushing the quarterback, but like then not getting close. And then That's when he got anywhere was, near, he turned and ran. Okay, wasn't that? All right. Yeah, because he was like lined up. He wasn't mm. lined up like towards the line. And that's, yeah, this, he was lined up like, again in the slot. Was he on the edge or was he in the middle of the field? He was in the slot, like just like a slot quarterback. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I don't know what to make of that, but it happened. So there's <laughs> that. Um, I guess that's a real quick note. Uh, next, moving on, let's we'll st- stick with the pass rushers. And spoiler alert, my I mean, my MVP today, Patrick Johnson, is going to be making this team. I think he's looked really good kind of quietly. He's generated a lot of pressure coming off the edge. I think we mentioned his name in some of these podcasts. Uh, he would have had a strip sack today on Jalen Hurts in like a real game setting, got behind him and you know was in position to knock the ball out of his hands. And I think between Hassan Reddick, Nolan Smith, Patrick Johnson, and then even Kyron Johnson, like which we'll see if he makes the team. There's mm-hmm. some good depth there, uh, and I really like what Patrick Johnson has shown. I mean, he again kind of flying under the radar, 2021 seventh round pick, but uh, I think he is going to. I don't know how big of a role, but I think he's going to have some kind of role, rotational role, even if it's a small one on defense. Yeah, he'll be a special team or two. Um... I actually, so I thought he had a good camp last year. Three guys, three guys that were like second year players, but were late picks: uh, Patrick Johnson, Marlon Tui Pelotu, and Taron Jackson. Jackson. Taron Jackson. Uh, I wrote an article about those three guys last year because <laughs> uh, they were all having really good camps, and then they did nothing during the regular season. So I think of those three guys, Patrick Johnson has the has had the best. Follow up camp of those, and I don't think it's close. I think it's a so different level. I, I think it's a different level. Yeah, than where he was at last he, year. He, he seems to have taken a bigger leap than than you know any of those sort of you know I don't want to call them, not, not lottery tickets, but you know third year guys that the that the team drafted late in the you know on day three. I feel like Jackson's actually kind of been bad. Like I've seen him not really do too well in one ones mm-hmm. and hasn't really stood out like he did last year. So not really uh, stock up on him. Uh, what else do you have? Uh, I thought it was interesting. Special teams practiced fielding squib kicks, which is smart because there's the new rule where if you fair catch a kickoff anywhere on the field, you get it at the 25 yard line. So what's going to happen is, you know, teams that are kicking off, if they don't respect their returners, they're, you know, normally they would try to pop it up before this rule. They try to pop it up, land it inside like the five yard line, and force the returning team to return the kick. A lot of teams did. A lot of teams tried to do that with the Eagles last year. So what they're going to have to do now instead, because you can just call a fair catch, is they might try to just dribble it down the field. So the Eagles are practicing it, like they're mm-hmm. practicing fielding those squib kicks, which I think is a credit to the coaching staff to recognize that and uh, be prepared for when ultimately that is. There's going to be more squib kicks in the NFL this year than you ever remember <laughs> probably so uh it's smart for them to to sort of you know to sort of you know get on practicing that right now uh i will i guess finish up my part with the quarterbacks which is that i thought jalen hurts was just okay today i saw you wrote that he it was his, his worst day of camp so far day, in like, what has been a stellar camp yeah i don't think he was bad i just thought he was yeah, okay yeah, yeah, yeah. i thought he had a really good throw at one point uh tight window throw over the middle of the field to dallas goddard who had a I don't. I didn't see the seat. I think it was Reed Blinkenship, but it was definitely Zach McPherson trailing, and it was really tight coverage. That I don't think the defense was bad at all. He just fit it into a really tight window. Goddard made a tough catch, so that was a nice throw. Rest of practice relatively uneventful. Almost did throw a pick today. His first pick at camp, where 
Uh, I don't know if you had the end zone view on that, but from I my saw view, it. okay, yeah. from the sideline, it was uh, late. Yeah, Devontae Smith was there around the front left corner of the end zone, late throw, and Keely Ringo uh, almost made a break on the ball and made a nice break on the ball and almost picked yep. it off. Couldn't you know quite handle it? Got to hold finish. on. Um, yeah. Yes, but uh, yeah. So shout out to Keely Ringo for making the play, but also not the best decision by Jalen Hurts. But I thought overall fine practice for him. And then Marcus Mariota <laughs> again, not great. Uh, I think here here's I think what's really damning today is that. I don't know if you saw this one because this was on seven on seven. There's a seven on seven rep where, well, first of all, it's seven on seven. So there's no backup offensive line mm-hmm. to make an excuse for here. And it's, I don't think Brett Toth is the one snapping the ball and that like the snaps are fine in that setting. I don't even think. I think it's just the guy. The isn't it just the guy like tossing the ball yeah. to them? Like, so a, it's like not a like, snapper? it's not yeah. a bad snap. It's not a shaky second team offensive line. There's no, there's no simulated pressure at all. And Mariota feet set. And has Joseph Ingata, or Inga, yeah, Ingata, uh, who is the tallest wide receiver they have on the roster at 6'3", and just overthrows him high and wide on, like, a post. It's just like, bro, <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, what's going on here? There's no good reason to, for that bad of a throw, and there's no excuse for it. So that was really bad. He did have a good throw to uh, Grant Calcaterra that I liked at one point. And I will say... Um, he can run for sure. Like he does look fast out there and good as a runner, but man, as a thrower, just not really, not really trusting it there. Not loving what I'm seeing. So I think if he has to play, they can work, make it work because of that running building. And, and I agree. Like he has really looked good as a runner. Yeah. You just run a, a you know, you run an F ton of, uh, of RPOs. You, <laughs> you, know, you like, don't pass the ball more than 20 times is the, I think the goal. Yeah. It's like, we, we're not going to pass the ball more than 20 times. We're just going to run it, run it, run it. Yeah. And, and that's his floor. Like he, he gives you that as a runner and you have a, an elite run blocking offensive line and you yep. have three running backs that can all run it and he can run it. And if, you know, he, if he sees something in the defense, he can pull it down and make a short, easy throw. Mm-hmm. You can live off that. And, you know, we got to take a shot here and there just to keep the defense honest. But you know, I think his floor is relatively high-ish, <laughs> but yeah, he's he's not had a great camp passing the football. Not, you know, I think it's very great game. He's going to be very game script dependent. Like if he has to come into a game and the Eagles are down, Hurts gets knocked out. I mean, he's not throwing them back into the game. Yeah, he comes into a game and the Eagles have a lead or you know, man, like a not I'm saying not, not like a thirty point lead, like a manageable enough lead or maybe even tie game. Well, then, yeah, you can lean on the run and kind of try to shorten the game and not pass the ball yeah. too much. But, yeah, the throwing just has not been good. And, you know, like, whatever, new system, bad offensive line. You can say all that. But, man, when you have a throw like that one in seven on seven today, like, it's just it's just brutal to watch. Like, that's tough. As long as you mentioned Joseph Ngata, he's my very clear top undrafted rookie free agent uh, yeah. likely to make the team. Uh, he's the best chance. I don't, I don't want to say he's likely to make the team, but he's got the best chance among the undrafted free agents to make the team. A lot of catches every day. A bunch of catches today. There was the one. There was a funny moment today where he caught a screen pass and got lit up from the blind side by. Did you see it? No. Who, did he, who lit him up? I don't know. Brett Toth. <laughs> <laughs> Brett Toth was chugging. To try to get out in front of him to to give him a block down the field on the screen and just ran right into Ngata and got it mm. went down hard, <laughs> but uh, you know I I liked what I like what I've seen from Joseph Ngata so far and um, 
yeah, that that might be a, a nice you know undrafted free agent pickup by the Eagles. Really interested to see him in the preseason games because we're gonna have to see like some level of doing the dirty work in you know special teams and uh, and run blocking for him to make the roster. Jimmy, you seem distracted. What are you doing? I'm looking at my notes to see if anything else. I'm ready to move on to the break if you are ready to move on. Yeah, I think we're ready. Well, fact, actually, you know what? before I didn't. Uh, the break. Whoa. Boom. It's the burrow today. It's my favorite one, I think, so far. It's the German Pilsner. It's delicious. From the fine folks at Wrong Crowd Beer Company. WrongCrowdBeer.com is where you can order online from those people who are making the finest beers in the land. You mentioned that the Eagles have Righteous Felon Craft Jerky mm-hmm. in their facilities. I don't know if they have Wrong Crowd Beer. I'll have to check, but I doubt it. <laughs> but uh, I certainly have it in my fridge. I think there's actually a policy <laughs> against that where they can't have like, I think alcohol. That, I think there is. Yeah, because yeah, the commanders got in trouble for that, didn't they? Yeah. And also, it, it's a good. I think it's a good policy. You don't need to have alcohol there. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's the whole thing with the flights, too, last year. Like, you're not allowed to drink on the flight because I think uh, – we're getting a little off topic here, I guess, but somebody got like a DUI, yeah. I think. Getting off it's, the it just doesn't need to be there. There's plenty of other times to, to drink. It's not them. <laughs> but that time is right now for me. Now that uh, training camp practice is over, we're halfway, a little more than halfway through the, almost the pot is almost over, I guess, at this point. It's time for me to relax with the burrow, which is, again, a German Pilsner. Nice little Delicious. They're in Westchester. Go visit them there. Check out a Phillies game or something there. They have food as well. Uh, again, we may be we may be doing a, we'll probably be doing a um, nothing uh, is set in stone, but we're aiming live show probably before the beginning of the season. Uh, we got to see how you know how that works out with our respective schedules and such. Uh, but yeah, check them out online again. Wrongcrowdbeer.com. Uh, you can order from them if you live in PA. New Jersey and other states coming soon. Wrong crowd um, beer company is the right <laughs> choice for you, especially you have to be 21 or older. Thank you. Yes. And Back. don't work for the NFL and drink on the plane on the way yeah, home. Don't do that either. <laughs> Jimmy, we will be back after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back here on BGN Radio, it's time once again for the official Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors and RoachRealtors.com training camp daily awards. Jimmy, if you're looking to buy, sell, or rent a house, what phone number can you contact? 856-906-9295. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors would love to hear from you if you're looking for a house. Or... Indeed. If you're looking for, you know, maybe a realtor who is in your area is not was not in the area that she covers, I'm sure she can help you connect with another realtor, right? Yeah, absolutely. So call her up; she'll hook you up. It's she. It's under the Remax umbrella, Kristen right. Roach of Roach Realtors. So, uh, yeah, there's plenty of 
outstanding realtors out there. Not as good as Kristen Roach, but of she'll course. hook you up with someone in your area if, if you need that. But if they're a Kristen Roach endorsed, then, you know, it's the next best thing you, you could get. That's to be, right. <laughs> to be, you know, not being You're basically hurt. like, you know, like uh, they used to, I think on Facebook, then they have like, you know, your two people removed for, or maybe LinkedIn still has that. Like mm. they're like a second uh, level contact. Like they're, they're a friend of a friend or something like that. Right. Well, in this case, like you'd be like one friend away from God. <laughs> okay, so the MVPs today. I already said I'm going to choose Patrick Johnson. I think he's having a really good. Camp. Okay, it, it was kind of a hard day too. I didn't see anyone that like really stood out super obviously. Anyway, um, couple contenders, but I'm going to give it to Patrick Johnson. I think he's consistently flashed here in camp, and I feel like he deserves this point, if not today, um, for his body of work overall. I'm going to go with him. What about you? I think that the run that DeAndre Swift had really translates to what he can be during the regular season. And that's the, I mean, that's not my play of the day, but that's the play that I look at and I go, okay, that guy can play. Uh, So he's my MVP of the day. Are you going to give another LVP point to Brett Toth? (laughs) I'm not. I'm going to go with Greeny Williams. Dang it. I wanted to go him and I don't want to double up on him, (laughs) but now I have to give it to Toth. (laughs) Greedy has been grabby. Throughout yeah. camp, just has gotten a lot of pass interference flags. He had oh, one today yeah. uh, on AJ Brown, and it's just kind of given up a lot of passes. I was not high on Greedy Williams coming into training camp, and I don't think he's been terrible by any stretch. But he has not done anything to sort of change my mind on him sort of being on the outside looking in on this roster. In my Tuesday notes, I wrote, "Quote: Greedy Williams has been flagged multiple times for being too grabby." End quote. That's what I wrote on Tuesday. And okay. Thursday, it happened again. And, you know, he was covering A.J. Brown. Not a tough – or, yes, yes, a tough assignment. Um, not an easy assignment. And not only did he get flagged – I don't know if you noticed this detail – two different reps threw a flag for the same penalty. So, like, <laughs> yeah, it yeah, clearly yeah. wasn't something that was like, okay, that could have gone either way. I was like, no, that yeah. was pretty egregious. Two reps threw a flag. And, yeah, that has been more of the norm than the exception is greedy getting penalized. That's an issue. In addition – I think tying into, uh, and I'm really arguing for your case here, because I'm going to pick Brett Toth. Like that's, you know, mm-hmm. we kind of covered his struggles. Um, but Greedy also is not the top backup corner, clearly. Jo- again, Josh Job was ahead of him. Right. And that's not necessarily a good sign for him. I'm not saying it means he can't move up at some point. If he plays better, he rebounds. But right now, that shows he has some work to do, and Job isn't. And I think that's like, that's a relevant. A revelation? What am I trying to Revelation. A revelation. revelation. Yeah. That's a revelation for some people because a lot of the 53-man rosters I saw prior to training camp, I feel like, or at least a number of them, had Greedy on and didn't have Job on there. So, uh, you know, I think that's a, a very meaningful development um, for those who weren't already, I think, having that on their radar. So, yeah, I think that's a very fair pick by you, and I'm going to go with Toth as not to double up because I don't think it was so egregious that I need to double up on Greedy. But, yeah, he deserves to be in this column. Um, what's your play of the day? What's your play of the day? I feel like I go first on all these. Uh, yeah, because well, I might multiple down, and I just based on. Oh, you. all right. Well, I'll go for. I only have one, so yeah. uh, for me, it's Hassan Reddick. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I didn't first, see that one. I mean, it's only during one on ones, but he just destroyed Jack. Dr- I mean, he missed the first. I guess he practiced a little bit on mm. day four, but he missed the first three practices with groin soreness. I guess groin is fine <laughs> because he looked every bit like the guy that was wrecking games in the playoffs last year and just destroyed Jack Driscoll. Jack Driscoll, like his deficiency, in my opinion, is, you know, not being able to anchor against power. He's got 
the lateral agility to kind of, you know, where a guy like Hassan Reddick, he maybe has a chance, he didn't have a chance against Hassan Reddick and his get off on the line. And it's just, it was like an announcement by Hassan Reddick. Yeah. Hey, by the way, I'm still awesome. By the way, he was like 48th in the, uh, in the NFL, the dumb NFL top 100 list. There, there are not 47 players better than Hassan he 19 and a half sacks last year. <laughs> <laughs> there are not 20 players that are better than Hassan Reddick in the NFL. He's so. had the third most uh, sacks in the NFL since 2020. <laughs> yes. Premium you, position. Great player. How is he 48th? Get the F out of here. The only two players who've had more are TJ Watt and Miles Garrett, who are mm-hmm. going to be what on that list? Like they're going to be uh, TJ Watt. I think was already on there, which is okay. ridiculous too. I think he yeah, was 27th or something like that, but he was hurt for a lot of the year last year. So maybe that's why, maybe that's why he's a little lower, but st- that's absurd as well. And even if it is right, I mean, Reddick should be closer to that. You said 48. Watt was 27. Austin Eckler was 21st. <laughs> who would you rather have? Like, Hassan Reddick or Austin Eckler? <laughs> Tough to say. Uh, I'm looking at, I think we've talked about the Hassan Reddick thing before, or at least I've brought it up in terms of him being underpaid. I don't think he's going to hold out, but certainly it was noteworthy that, um, I mean, he didn't bring it up, but he was asked about it if, you know, mm. he felt properly valued. He definitely didn't say he did. Uh, I, he said, like, y'all see it. You know, you, you guys know what's going on, and he's right. Um, if you look he at it, he's underpaid, and yeah, and he was, he was, he was diplomatic about it. But it's not even like, by a little bit, you know, it's not. So again, if you look at the edge rusher contract rankings, he is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. He's 16th in edge rusher salary, not even a top 15 paid player in terms mm-hmm. of edge rusher money. And he's tied for 16th, by the way, with Uchenna Nuosu. Uh, tied for 15th, I think is. Or tied is, for uh... I'm seeing 16th here, but, but either way, it doesn't matter. Whatever, either way, it, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> but it's not even just about the rank. It's not about the position. It's about the amount of difference from the top. He's making 13 million less a year annually than TJ Watt. That's a lot yeah. of money less per year. And and now on the other side, Hassan Reddick was a free agent the previous two years before coming to Philly, right? Yes. So like. I can't feel totally terrible for him in the sense that he had a chance to test the market multiple times and he signed this deal and he's one year into a deal. And typically, you know, teams just aren't going to, you know, touch that a year into the deal. That's just not really how it goes. At the same time, um, you have to be smart about this. And I think it's very, you know, ripe for to be revisited after this season at the very mm-hmm. latest. And, you know, they could tack some more years on to that and give him some more money. Um, it's possible. I know they, in the past with Brandon Graham, they did like an adjustment at one point, or basically they gave him like more lucrative incentives. Maybe they could, yeah, do they some could throw that. him a bone. Like he hit some mm-hmm. certain number of sacks and we'll yes. give you an extra million or two. Like they, just, yeah. that they don't have to do it all, but they could just right. kind of throw him a bone. And do I that think, more. and I think that's maybe my most likely thing to happen. I think they will do something like that if they mm-hmm. haven't already. Maybe, you know, if it hasn't been reported, but um, yeah, and I, and he's here. He's not, I don't think he's like, he's not going to not show up. He's here already. He's doing, mm-hmm. he's in practice, he's practicing, he's doing stuff. Um, but I don't begrudge him at all for feeling underpaid because he, it's not even like by a little bit. It's an egre- he's egregiously underpaid. I mentioned TJ Watt making 13 million less than him. Uh, Miles Garrett, 25 million a year. So 10 million less or 10, 10 million fewer than, uh, a guy who one of the only two guys has more sacks than him. So um, that's pretty crazy. By the way, Joey Bosa, 27 million a year. 
Uh, obviously yeah. a talented player, but also funny because the Eagles fans live rent free in his head. Um, <laughs> that was one of the forgotten but amazing videos in the aftermath of the NFC Championship game. Yes, against the Forty Niners, where like and he was there, of course, rooting on his brother Nick Bosa. <laughs> And the Eagles fans were just destroying Joey Bosa. It was very, he got very mad. Like he, he, did. he didn't he pull like the uh, Ooh, I make more money than you. Yeah, oh, oh, oh. yeah well, yeah. you're an NFL player, you douche. <laughs> yeah, and also you care about the opinions of uh, of people who you think are in- inferior by your own definition. Right. So right. shout out to Joey Bosa. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, oh no, my play of the day. I didn't say my play of the day. Your play of the day was Hassan Reddick. My play of the day was I'm going to give it to Healy Ringo. I know he didn't make the interception, but for a rookie who's been way down the depth chart to like almost have a pick on Hertz like that, and you know, mm-hmm. I know he didn't finish the play, but I thought the the break was great. That really like that just came out of nowhere because Healy hasn't really he done a nicely, whole lot. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. like, oh, like that's that's something. I like that. And again, it wasn't also it also wasn't a practice like littered with great plays. I could have went with the swift run, but you already gave him an MVP point, and I don't feel like giving him another uh, right. point in this section. So I'll give it to Keeley. I don't know how many more times he's going to end up in this section. I thought that was nice to see from him. So that's my play of the day pick. All right. Any final thoughts by you, James? Mm, I'm always unprepared for this question. I know it's coming every I have, podcast, I, and I, I, I never two. think about it. Number one. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me give you one. Right, I'll, I'll give mine. I'll give mine to you. I well, I'll give you one, and then you can go with yours, and I'll finish up with mine. Okay. Number one, a little Phillies take here. Uh, oh, I don't have anywhere right. to put this out, you know, because I don't like talk about the Phillies really anywhere. I was not really bothered by them blowing that five zero lead on th- on Wednesday night. I mean, it's and it, at surface, yeah, like that's bad, and maybe it sounds too soft of me. Like I just didn't really think it mattered from a standpoint of like they battled they battled back and forth in that game. That was a really entertaining game to watch. I thought like it kept going into extras and it looks like when they they would lose, they battled back. They ultimately blew it, but they blew it in a way where now the, how they blew it is concerning because Trey Turner is absolutely lost. I mean, he just needs to make that play, but the game's on yeah. him. That didn't, it didn't say something bigger about the team to me. Like the team was fine. I think the performance was great. They did pretty well. That was all about Trey Turner, not being able to make a routine play to me. And it's not even like he had to make the play. All he had to do was keep the ball in the infield. Even if he doesn't make the throw to first and get him out, if he just catches the ball, gets his glove on the ball, makes a routine kind of play ish, then they win the game. But uh, yeah, so I wasn't too concerned. And then they won today. Uh, on Thursday, they weren't going to take four. Or oh, four. that game already. That, that was a day game. Yeah, they started at like twelve uh, ten. Yeah, sorry, that's a bummer. Jimmy. I was going to. Uh, <laughs> I know. I was planning on watching the Phillies a little later, but uh, oh, well. they weren't going to take four out of four from the Marlins in Miami. So they took three. That's fine. As long as they won today, I was fine with the loss on Wednesday, and they did. So whatever. I think they're going to be fine. Um, that's my quick Phillies take. What's your final thought? Turner Turner is brutal. Like he is it, Jalen Rager level lost. He like forget like the first of all he's trying to backhand. I went to bed by the way when it was five nothing. I'm like okay, I'm going to bed. And <laughs> then won. I woke up in the morning and it was like what they lost nine eight. <laughs> what? <laughs> How did that happen? Mm-hmm. And then like I'm watching, I'm like trying to figure out what happened. Second, you know, after the fact, and everyone's like killing Trey Turner for a bad play in the field. So you know, I, I Google not Google, I search on Twitter Trey Turner. There it is. Tries to backhand. Like he could have just easily got in front of the ball. And if he gets in front of the ball, at least he gets he keeps yeah, it in front of him. And the, the guy doesn't score from second. But then but also like forget you know, forget that he's like on seventy percent of his uh, at bats, he's either grounding out weakly or striking out. <laughs> he ha- also had the play, and I guess Edmundo uh, Sosa 
shares in blame on this, but they had the, the pop-up <laughs> that they missed and they ultimately lost. Who was that against? Was that the... I forget. Pirates. It was a bad team. I'm not sure. Pirates. It was the, it was the Pirates. It was Pittsburgh. They, it was a you know easy pop-up that any, league, any little leaguer is going to make and the two of them just kind of walked into each other and the ball fell to the ground. And they, they lost that game because, because they couldn't catch a pop-up. In addition to like a lot of other mistakes in that game, like base running, uh, other plays in the field, just like stuff that like major leaguers shouldn't be doing. Uh, so they're very frustrating to watch. And then you look at the standings and you're like, well, what are they now? Like eight or nine games over 500? Yes. And they're in like decent shape to, you know, get back into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So you can't totally hate them, but at the same time, they are not maximizing what they should be as a team. I think I trust them for some reason, even though that doesn't really make sense given the downfalls. <laughs> yeah. But I think I get I, it. I think they're going to show up when it matters most, and maybe that's too much of a bias from last year's World Series. But I count I count them to when the, ge- the games are going to be most important. I think they're going to show up. I'm going to. I mean, believe in they that. have had guys that like have have uh, played above expectations, like. Bryson Stott is a stud. And yeah. then Alec Bohm has played really well, yes, too. So you have later. guys that like have really taken their game to the next level this but season. The stars. So it's not it's not all bad. Yeah. I mean, Casty has stepped up. Uh, then he has, but he whatever. did, and then he stunk again. But then he had the maybe, big home run the other night to yeah, help maybe them come he's, back. <laughs> right. Maybe he's, maybe he's just very streaky. We'll see. Uh, I'm optimistic about the Phils. I'm not. The, the, I, I was like shocked how much. I feel like that's the loss that has a lot of people concerned, and everyone on Twitter was melting down. And I don't blame anyone for that, but I felt like surprisingly calm. I was like, yeah, I'm not really actually worried about this at all. Uh, anyway, uh, that's my final thought. What's your final thought? I think that was my final thought. Okay. Well, my second of two final thoughts was that some spirited discussion on the sideline today. You missed this because you were, as we mentioned, at the end zone view. Watching mm-hmm. practice okay. where I was on the sideline with some other reporters. Somehow got into a very spirited discussion between four different podcasts. Me um, from BGN Radio. Uh, Elliot Sharparks from Go Birds, original okay. BGN Radio feed. Uh, Zach Berman from Birds with Friends. And, of course, the great Shiel Kapadia was at practice from the Philly Special podcast. Okay. Somehow, some way, got into a Jonathan Gannon debate. Uh, so, you know, I was trying to guess what this was going to be. And I, and my, my brain went to who would win mm. a two on two basketball tournament between oh, wow. the podcasts. Interesting. <laughs> and I think we win that by oh, the way. Of course. Yeah. I think that's pretty, I think that's pretty easy. I mean, it's definitely happening, but anyway, so <laughs> if the listeners want to hear, I think, cause I think we should, I think we should hash it out and it would be fun. I don't think we see enough of that in the Eagles podcast podcast space at all is any kind of you know not a lot of cross pod stuff uh, okay i feel like we're due for that um from let me let scale. me uh, guess who where where so I'm, I'm thinking it was two pro ganon yeah two well, this anti-ganon <laughs> you and shield yeah. were decidedly yeah. anti-ganon yeah. and zach and esp yep. were pro ganon yeah I had brought up to one point at ESP just from like a vibes perspective. How can you tell me like Gannon is good vibes? Like just from the, you know, the dorky clips <laughs> of everything and the lying about, you know, fans wanting him or media wanting him fired and everything and making up a whole story. Like how is that possibly good vibes? Like how are you going to bat for this guy? Like this is the guy you really want to defend passionately. You want to die on this hill for this guy. So anyway, a uh, really good spirited conversation. I feel like the thing with it, saying it though, though, like having it there at practice, I'm like, 
this is, I think this is good content. I feel like people would maybe enjoy this. I don't know. Maybe I'm overestimating that. But I feel like some people might like to listen to that at the very least. So if you're interested in that happening, I think you need to tweet uh, everyone from that conversation. Shio Kapadia, Zach Berman, Elliot Shore Parks, and me. And maybe we can kind of get some Megapod happening at some point. I don't know if people still want to hear about Jonathan Ginnon, really, and relitigating that either. But uh, did you you hear the uh, did you hear the the clip by I think it was on Roto World, maybe, Uh, you know, you know, Johnny Venerable is right. Sounds he was with Revenge of the Birds, the SB Nation site, and he is now with PHNX. There's a clip of him on this Roto World mm-hmm. podcast, I think. And he was explaining how during Cardinals practices, specifically when Colt McCoy had reps, I think there's something wrong with him maybe. So like they would run through the play and instead of him throwing passes, he would just point to the receiver that he <laughs> would throw to what? if he were going to throw. And then when it wasn't his reps, like the next quarterback would come in uh, it's Clayton Toon, I think, is mm. like a rookie fifth round pick. Is their number two right now? Then he would throw passes, like he wasn't pointing to receivers. But Colt McCoy would drop back to pass, and he'd be looking around, and then he would just go. <laughs> to me, he's pointing for those who can't see. That reminds me. Have you seen the Tim? I think it's not. It's not. I think you should leave. Have you uh, seen? I think you should clown. leave. Just don't have him running. Just don't have him in there. You're right. ruining reps for the whole rest of the team, so that Colt McCoy can go back and point to it. He's 37 years old. I think the mental part of the game is he's like he's fine on that right now. Like you don't need him and like to go out there pointing. Ertz. The throw is pretty important. Rondell Moore. It's a pretty important part of the play. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen i think you should leave the uh comedy show on netflix yeah of course i, lo- I love it there's um <laughs> it's not that i think there's a different netflix show where tim robinson who's the main guy from i think you should yeah. leave is on and there's like they're like the pointer brothers which is like a, a <laughs> have you seen that like the pointer sisters yeah it's like a, a pun on that and so like there's all these people at this conference and uh, they're like, oh, the Pointer Brothers. Oh, interesting. Like, you know, this is like the entertainment for whatever business conference they're at. And they come on out. And, yeah, you expect them to, like, sing or whatever, entertain, whatever. But they just point at everyone. And they're just, like, pointing at everyone <laughs> through the whole, like, routine. And it's like they, they promise to point at every single person there. Anyway, you have to watch the whole thing. You, you know, I don't want to butcher it here. But that just made me think of what you did there. It's just like, oh, McCoy pointing. Maybe it's one of the Pointer Brothers. You can just do that. You can just point at everyone. Um, yeah. Okay. Anyway. Was that Jonathan Gannon related at all? That like he's allowing that? Was that your point, or was that just something well, that Colt McCoy just, does? It's the Cardinals, and that's just what they're like. But if I'm a head coach, and like that's the offensive <laughs> coordinator's plan for practice, I'm saying no, we're not doing that. We're not having the quarterback point to the guy he would throw to. Just get a different quarterback in there. Mm, yeah. So he's part. He's partially responsible for that at right. a minimum. Okay. Well. <laughs> this has been BGN Radio 333 on August 3rd, nonetheless. An, an additional three in there. In 2023, how about that? A lot of threes mm. going on. Um, the Eagles Talked have, a lot about Nolan Smith, who Nolan is number Smith, three. Number three. Keely Ringo, I gave play of the day. Or Wait, no, he's a three in his number. Uh, we didn't talk about Josiah Scott. Day. No, we didn't. He was 33. Um, didn't talk about Tanner McKee. He was a third-string quarterback. Uh, in any case... BGN Radio 333, we will have another episode, so 334, for you on Friday, which is tomorrow, as we're recording this on Thursday, August 3rd at 4.27 p.m. 
And then the Eagles will be off on Saturday before their first and only training camp practice open to the public at Lincoln Financial Field. That's on Sunday night, August 6th. Tickets are still available for that, I believe. They all go towards the Eagles Autism Foundation. So they're like ten bucks or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Right? So I'll I'll plug that here, you know, money for a good cause. Yeah. And also it's a mm-hmm. really good way to if you can't get tickets during the season or whatever, you know, it's a cheap way to see the team in action to some extent during the summer. I'd recommend going on out to that if you get the chance. And yeah, that's all we got coming up. In the meantime, we thank you for listening. Beijing Radio has been brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. You can go to RighteousFelon.com and use discount code BTN20 for 20% off the best meat snacks you can get. In addition, if you want some dog treats, and I saw Reggie the dog, that's the Eagles' official team dog, was at practice today. Mm-hmm. He really should he's, be... He's not neutered, by the way, Oh, Reggie. wow. Interesting fact that I don't know how you know that, but... <laughs> I, I can see his oh, balls. Okay, well, you're really just looking. <laughs> but um, Reggie should be eating wildrangerpet.com and using discount code BGN20 for 20% off because that's actually look you know how like a lot of people want to know what they're eating and put a priority on like you know fresh real ingredients especially if you're watching what you're eating same uh-huh. thing applies to dogs the ingredients in wild ranger pet there's like natural it's real food it's not just like this you know made up stuff that you're giving to your dog you don't even know what it is it's like real and natural ingredients so wildrangerpet.com discount code bgn20 for 20 percent off dog treats as well also bgn radio brought to you by wrong crowd beer company which you can check out that's wrongcrowdbeer.com you can check out all the beers that they have. You can check out the food menu that they have for their location in Westchester. Go, go. Why don't you go to Westchester at some point? Uh, you know, maybe come to the event that we might do there. But if not, uh, and, and even if so, go there. Mention that you heard about them through BGN Radio. We'd appreciate that. I'm sure they'd appreciate that too. And strike up a conversation with them. And also, Kristen Roach, Roach Realtors. Go to RoachRealtors.com or call or text this phone number. Eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five. If you're looking to buy, sell, or rent a house, you can follow Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter and Threads at Jimmy Kemsky. Same thing for me at Brandon Gouton on those apps, and you can check out my work, BleedingGreenNation.com. Jimmy Kemsky's work at PhillyVoice.com. Rate, review, subscribe to the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed, and we will talk to you on Friday. Goodbye, everybody. P G N.